Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Mega Trends, presented by SAP, helping the world run better and improve people's lives. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to help resolve some of the world's biggest challenges and to create real business impact. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed, in the house. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, and I'm here in Durham, North Carolina, where the raindrops are like golf balls and maybe bowling balls. So we, you would have to run if you're outside here. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have an interesting quote from a 1987 book that James D. Newton wrote and published called Uncommon Friends, Life with Tom. Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, Harvey Firestone, Alexis Carroll, and Charles Lindbergh. If those names don't resonate with you, go look them up. James D. Newton, the author of this book, was a friend with each of these very prominent figures from history. Here's the quote, and the quote is from Thomas Edison, who was in conversation with, I believe, Henry Ford and Charles Lindbergh at the time. So he says, we are like tenant farmers chopping down the fence around our house for fuel when we should be using nature's inexhaustible sources of energy, sun, wind, and tide. And Einstein, I'm sorry, Edison continued, I put my money on the sun and solar energy. What a source of power. I hope we don't have to wait till oil and coal run out before we tackle that. I wish I had more years left. So that is somewhat of a prediction, somewhat of a look into the future by Thomas Edison talking about energy and that's our topic today sustainable energy where will your power come from in 2050 and maybe 2020 who knows i'm bonnie d graham let me tell you a little bit more about our topic then I'll introduce my three esteemed panelists, and I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves and tell us who they are, what they do, and why this topic is important to them. So a little more background on our topic. Energy keeps the world in motion. Look around you. Everything has a source of energy. But the way we generate energy is also in motion. Renewable energy, which is what Edison was alluding to, solar and wind power in particular, have undergone a huge change from being a niche technology to being beginning to see widespread adoption. People are getting smart. They're getting wise and they're understanding this. Consumers, come on, you're all a consumer of energy somehow. You can collect energy on your roof. You can store it in batteries. You can use it to power your home and even your electric vehicles. There is so much going on right now with renewables that we're not even sure where it comes from or what we need to do to keep it going. So the experts speak, and let me tell you who they are. In a moment, we'll be hearing from Jean-Francois Segalotto, Associate Research Director at IDC Energy Insights in Europe. We're also joined by Jassy Aurora, who co-leads Duke Energy Customer Connect Program as as the Vice President of Customer Connect Delivery, and he's here in North Carolina, a couple hours away from me. And rounding out the panel is Miguel Gaspar Silva at SAP, and he'll tell us all about what he does. Welcome, gentlemen. Happy to have you on. Jean-Francois Segalota, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and what you do at IDC Energy Insights. Go ahead, Jean-Francois. Yeah, hi, Bonnie. Hi, everyone. Um, yes, as you said, I'm Associate Research Director at IDC. Uh, which is a, a global technology analyst house. Um, my coverage is uh, IT, uh, so information technology and operational technology in the energy and utilities industry. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking at the entire 
industry value chain, so to speak, from, let's say, power generation to supply. Now, my business unit, uh, which is IDT Energy Insights, um, uh, produces research and, and advisory for both the technology and user, so um, the utilities and oil and gas companies out there, as well as uh, the technology vendors that serve the uh, industry. Now, what is great about what we do, I think, at least what I enjoy about it, is that mm-hmm. um, we get to cover everything from the micro to uh, the macro themes. Um, so we go from helping utilities select their next billing system, uh, speaking about a, a micro but very relevant choice, actually, mm-hmm. to helping them understand uh, how long they have before, uh, for example, it is cheaper to, um, uh, for their customers to, to, to generate and store electricity locally uh, or autonomously rather than buying from the grid, uh, which I think links back very nicely to the topic of uh, this conversation. Uh, prior to IDC, I used to cover telecoms and media, especially traditional broadcast media. Uh, but I confess I have grown very passionate about um, energy, energy systems, the energy transition, and all of its uh, technology enablers over the past few years. Thank you, Jean. It's pleasure to have you on. We'll be talking to you and getting to know you a little bit more in a few minutes. Let me move one, one slot around the table to Jassy Aurora. He spells his last name A-R-O-R-A if you want to look him up at Duke Energy. And Jassy, why don't you introduce yourself to us a little bit about your background and what this topic of renewable energy means to you, sustainable energy. Go ahead, Jassy. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, thank you, Bonnie, and mm-hmm. thank you for having me in this panel. Uh, my name is Jesse Arora, and I'm a vice president for Duke Energy, leading one of the largest business transformation program called Customer Connect. Uh, I co-lead this program with Rita Hansiker. And uh, first, I want to give a little bit of introduction of Duke Energy. Duke uh, mm-hmm. operates in six states, one of the largest uh, electric and gas utility operators on the East Coast. And we have nine over 9 million uh, custo- uh, electric meters serving over 25 million customers. And uh, we have... Uh, a huge effort going on uh, to consolidate all the legacy customer platform into a new customer engagement platform, which gives us a new way to interact with our customer, which is simplified, universal experience irrespective of which state you are from, and give them a futuristic services products which our legacy platform cannot provide. So that's my role. Thank you very much. Very interesting. And I am a customer of Duke Energy, Jassy. I'm here in Durham, North Carolina, and I have all kinds of things going on. And I get all kinds of phone calls adding services for this and services for that, protection for this and encouragement for that. And I'm very familiar with Duke Energy, so I'm, I'm very pleased to have you on the show and nice to know you. You're the first real person I've spoken to other than a salesperson at Duke Energy, so I'm happy to have you on. Thank you so much. And now let's move one stop around. On the table, one more chair to Miguel Gaspar Silva, who heads up the IBU Utilities at SAP. Miguel, please introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Hey, hello, Bunny. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for giving me the opportunity and for inviting me. Uh, quick introduction from my side. I'm uh, Vice President at SAP. I've been uh, having a long career in SAP. 
more than 20 years now, and definitely in the last 20 years, what I've been doing in SAP has been exclusively to work for the utilities industry, right? So we, we in SAP, we do provide in particular enterprise solutions that serve multiple purposes, but of course, uh, a fundamental focus that we had over the years has been to uh, serve uh, utility-specific uh, processes over there. And, uh, and in that context, right, I did, uh, I would say, create a quite unique um, relation to the utilities industry because uh, while working from, at SAP, I've been collaborating with many utilities across the globe, either energy utilities like Duke, right, focusing on energy and gas, but even sometimes more on the environmental side and also on the water supply side that is also an important part of that business. Now, uh, of course, uh, this is not uh, the reason why we are here together. We are here talking about uh, energy and sustainability. And obviously, uh, I'm keen really to participate in this panel. This is definitely one of the topics that really uh, I get enthusiastic about. I'm a strong believer in uh, energy transition overall, a strong believer in sustainability uh, when it comes to uh, using and consuming energy. And I think there is a, a set of very encouraging um, uh, challenges ahead of us that really will allow us to change the world in many ways, right? And uh, addressing indeed the topic of sustainability in energy. Thank you very much, Miguel. Pleasure to have all three of you on. If you're just tuning in, we're just starting here on Game Changing Megatrends Radio presented by SAP. Our topic is one that impacts you no matter who you are, where you are in the world. Sustainable energy is a megatrend. Thankfully, where will your power come from in fill in the blank, 2020, 2030, 2040, 2050, OMG. That's what we're talking about today with Jean-Francois Segalotto, with Jerry Jassy Aurora, and Miguel Gaspar Silva. Now, we're going to go through the quotes I ask. If you're just new to listening, I ask on all of our Game Changers series, and I believe we have 14 live series this year. So far, we may be adding more. I ask my guests to send me an interesting, inspirational, or provocative quote that on the surface has nothing to do with the topic, and they're going to tell us what they think it has to do with the topic and how they picked it. So first up is Jean-Francois Segalotto at IDC Energy Insights, and he sent us a quote from Heraclitus, Heraclitus of Ephesus, E-P-H-E-S-U-S, 535 to 475 BCE, was a pre-Socratic Greek philosopher, and he was also called the Obscure and the weeping philosopher, I'm not crying for you. That reminds me of Evita, Jean-Francois. Don't cry for me, Argentina. So we could say, don't cry for me, Heraclitus. Here is the quote. It's one, two, three, four, five words, words to live by. Change is the only constant. Jean-Francois, please tell us how this relates to our topic today. Well, I think the first and foremost, it's a very inspiring quote. I think we, mm-hmm. we all in our lives. Um, need to cope with change on a regular basis. So it's it's, it's a good general all-purpose quote. Uh, but as far as this conversation is concerned, as I said, I used to cover telecoms and media uh, in the past, which are the two industries that have been, uh, I would say, changed beyond recognition by uh, the Internet and by mm. radio communications, or uh, cellular is probably better. Radio communications makes me sound older than I actually am. Um, <laughs> to uh, say. Moving, moving, moving on to energy a few years ago, um, 
I never thought I would be facing more of the same kind of disruptions uh, in this industry. And this mm-hmm. time is from new energy technology like uh, wind, like solar, uh, like storage, uh, as well as digital technology, of course, which has a big role to play in the energy transition nonetheless. Um, so, so for me, uh, change is really uh, the only constant um, in the, let's say, the industry I have observed in my work life, in, in my career, uh, just as uh, Heraclite has said. Thank you very much. I love that quote, and it's true, and that's why we have people who are in charge of change management and all kinds of change processes in companies, because change is all we really have. Thank you very much, Jean-Francois. I appreciate the quote. Let's move on to Jassy Aurora at Duke Energy, and he has sent us a wonderful quote from Mahatma Gandhi. Anybody wondering? Mohandas Karam Chand Gandhi, 1869-1948, was an Indian lawyer. I didn't know he was a lawyer. Anti-colonial national nationalist and political ethicist who used nonviolent resistance to lead the successful campaign for India's independence from British rule. And the word Mahatma is actually an honorific, like Mr. or Ms. or Doctor. It's in Sanskrit, it means high-souled or venerable. It was first applied to Gandhi in 1914 in South Africa. It is now used with his name around the world. Here is the quote. Be the change you wish to see in the world. Jassy, please tell us how you picked this quote for our topic today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when Gandhi uh, wrote this uh, quote, I believe uh, uh, there was a different kind of transformation going on in that part of the world in India. And I grew up there, and I certainly consider him as one of my idols. And as I work in this new industry, I see changes everywhere. But before we expect others to change, if we ourselves cannot adopt the same change, we cannot be the change champions. And what I do, creating newer solutions, new way of engaging with our customer, I spend a lot of time, first, my own people who work with me to first understand what that change is going to look like, accept the change, adopt the change before we go out and ask others to understand how that change will impact their new way of doing business. So I really feel that uh, the quote is so relevant even in today's world where our whole landscape ecosystem of energy is changing from the traditional way of generating and distributing to bringing a new mix of variety of sources into this ecosystem. And customers are confused at time. Which one to adopt? Which one to not? Is it too early to adopt? And if I adopt one, how will it impact my other adoption or other usage of energy? Bringing all that together require a very different kind of change mindset. And as I'm bringing a new platform, new way of doing business, uh, I am looking at all aspects and seeing that how, if I put myself in customer's shoes, will impact the way they have lived their life and are going to live in the next 10, 20, 30 years because the change is in the air and we have no, uh, uh, no uh, doubt but to accept that. But how do we uh, uh, explain the change to them, how we explain them that change can be adopted without disrupting their life, rather make their life better, is the key thing in how we first need to do on our own before we uh, tell others to accept the change. 
Thank you very much. Very appreciate the insights on that, Jassy. I hadn't heard that interpretation, so thank you very much. And now let's move around to our third panelist, Miguel Gaspar Silva at IBU Utilities at SAP. And Miguel has selected a quote from somebody I had, I'm sorry, never heard of before, Miguel. It's David G. Myers, M-Y-E-R-S, middle name is Guy. Alive and well, born in 1942. Um, yeah, <laughs> he's a pre-boomer. He's a professor of psychology at Hope College in Michigan and the author of 17 books, including the popular textbook Psychology, Exploring Psychology, Social Psychology, and more. He's recognized for his research on happiness, and he's a supporter of the positive psychological movement. Who doesn't love that? He's also well-known in the hearing loss community. He's a child of a mother who went from hard of hearing to complete deafness. He has a hearing loss, and he's committed to helping give voice to millions of people with hearing loss. So that's something about David G. Myers. Here's the quote. Listen up. Intelligence is the ability to learn from experience, anticipate problems, and use knowledge to adapt to new situations. Miguel, please explain this quote for our topic today. No, absolutely, right? So, um, Bonnie, what I've, uh, to be honest, right, I've been looking for quite a while for a good definition of intelligence, right? That really relates with many things that we need to explain uh, in in particular in, in regards to the transformation that I think enterprises need to do, but obviously in the context of this, uh, the topic of today, right, we might have heard many of us uh, listening about the topic of smart grids overall. So it's really about becoming smart in many ways and making even the grids smarter, right? And grids obviously eventually for many, many years have, been, has not, have not been as smart as uh, uh, as uh, maybe they will need now to become in the in the context of energy transition and uh, and sustainable energy, and therefore I really like right the, the elements that are included in this definition. It's very simple and straightforward, and uh, and I guess these are exactly the elements that we should consider when we are looking at the transformations that are required by this energy transition and moving towards uh, uh, energy sustainability world, right? And the three elements in that definition that I really think that we should uh, consider. It's really the one about learning from experience that is an absolutely uh, an absolutely mandatory element, right? We need mm-hmm. to learn from the past experience uh, and, uh, and obviously use that for the future. We need to also anticipate that future, which means that also in the definition, which is about anticipating problems and see those problems coming and, and obviously uh, being able to adapt, right? Being able to change and to adapt in particular to new situations. And, uh, and again, if we relate it to the topic of today, right, I would definitely think that uh, as we are moving to a different ways of generating power, making that energy available, then we will definitely face many new situations into uh, the landscape that we are having there. And therefore, it is fundamental, right, that we have that capability to adapt, right, uh, uh, and use knowledge to, to adapt to those new situations that we will be facing, right? And, and those three things that we have here, learning from experience, adapting, and anticipating the problems, I would say those are fundamental aspects that we need to consider when we are looking at the challenges of the uh, energy transition that we are facing here. 
Thank you very much. Very interesting. I, I'm very happy with the quotes the three of you sent. Very interesting. And we're, I think we're all on the same wavelength here. Now we're going to go back to my three panelists and ask each of them to tell us two questions. We want to get to know you just a little bit better very briefly here. Jean-Francois Segalotto, where in the world are you today? We'll settle for a continent, a hemisphere, a region, a, a, a country, a city. We don't need the Google coordinates of the roof of wherever you are. And we'd love to know what what is your favorite drink that powers you, Jean-Francois? What do you absolutely love to drink that puts that wonderful smile on your face? I'm looking at your PR photo. So talk to me. Thanks. That, that's very flattening. Um, uh, so I am calling from um, the Western Hemisphere, from Europe, uh, Italy, <laughs> and uh, Milan, actually, Northern Italy. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and I'm actually calling from a, a, um, a city that's under a scorching sun today with temperatures in the high 30s Celsius. Mm. I don't know how this translates into Fahrenheit. Um, but apparently that's uh, what we are going to get from now to the end of the week, uh, courtesy of uh, a high-pressure bubble coming from North Africa. Um, going on to the drinks, uh, so when I'm in the office, I, I would say I drink a few espressos, like every good Italian, I guess. Um, and, and also a lot of tea. Um, my wife, who is Russian, has introduced me to tea drinking, uh, which I must confess I like better than plain water to keep me hydrated during uh, office hours. Um, I, I think out of the office, I would say Negroni, uh, which is a classic Italian um, aperitivo cocktail, um, would be my uh, my peak. Um, it's, uh, it's made with... Uh, uh, for those who don't know, Negroni is, is made with Campari, uh, red, vermouth, and, and gin. Uh, this is what I normally like to eat when I go out for, um, for a, a dinner. Thank you. Negroni, a popular Italian cocktail, one part gin, one part vermouth rosso, one part Campari garnished with orange peel, considered an aperitif. A properly made Negroni is stirred, not shaken, and then strained into a chilled cocktail glass over ice. You know I knew that by heart, right, Jean-Francois? <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for you. If you're of Italian heritage, I see Jean-Francois as a French-sounding name. Am I right or wrong? You are right. Uh, Mommy's from uh, from Canada, actually, from, from Quebec. Um, ah. and, uh, and Dad is from Italy. Uh, I was born and raised in, in Milan here. I've had a few spells uh, living and working in, in London and a short spell in, in Canada itself. But uh, yes, the reason of the exotic, exotic first name is is is, uh, is mom chose the actual first name. Thank you very much. I hope yes, you don't mind my asking. I was just very intrigued. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Let's move on to Jassy Aurora. Jassy, where in the world are you today? I think I already know when I said it, but you could tell us again. I'm I'm a couple hours away from you, and tell us what's your favorite drink, Jassy. Yes, so I have moved here from Arizona. I am in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, which is the east coast of uh, USA. Uh, It's the second largest banking capital after New York. Weather is beautiful, 79, with a little bit of drizzle here. Mm. I can see the uptown from my 30th floor building. And it's a beautiful view outside. It's lunchtime, a lot of people on the street. I love the energy downstairs. 
and uh, my favorite drink when i get up in the morning i make a special tea uh, it's mix of green leaves of tea and uh, black tea black gives me the taste green leaves give me the flavor and i put a little bit of pinch of ginger and honey and my wife call it jazzy tea so that's what <laughs> I drink in the morning i love of it course, uh, as uh, that gives me the energy to work whole day and occasionally when i'm chilling out in the evening my favorite drink is to sip uh macallan single malt scotch ooh Okay, very very interesting. I love the tea description. That was fascinating. And and uh, before, thank you, Jessica. Before I go on to Miguel, I have some technical information for you, Jean Francois. Thirty degrees Celsius translates to eighty six degrees, which is not quite where we've been here in North Carolina for the past week. We've been topping a hundred degrees almost every day. That gives you an idea of how hot it's been here. And uh, and Jassy, for you, we just finished. It looks like our major thunder storm and downpour and it looks like it's quiet outside and getting a little brighter so I don't know whether we're sending it to you in Charlotte but be yeah. prepared with boots oh, and umbrellas <laughs> It's been brutal here. Our real field temperature over the weekend was 110 degrees. You didn't even want to leave your house or your air-conditioned car. It was just, just walking outside was, was tough on the body. Now, Miguel Gaspar Silver, where, Silva, where are you today? And what's your favorite drink or drink since we've had two from each of our other panelists? You're entitled. Go ahead, Miguel. Yeah, so I'm in Lisbon in Portugal, right, Western Europe, and the weather is great. I think finally we are starting to have summer around here because, believe it or not, despite the very high temperatures that you would see in many countries, in particular in June and all that, somehow the hot weather did not come to, to Portugal so far. And finally, we are getting this, again, 31 degrees Celsius of temperature. It's, I would say, a great day. There are still some clouds, so it's not blue sky, but I would say that despite a few clouds, I would say that we are quite okay. I could generate already from my solar panels today 6.5 kilowatts hour. Whoa! My battery loaded with around 78% now, which would mean that this will, uh, this will make me to generate or to produce around 9.5 kilowatts, I estimate, until the end of the day which is already a quite good savings for the day, given that there is a good, a good, a good sunny day out there. <laughs> now, uh, once I see my solar panels that I installed around one month ago uh, generating so much power, then eventually I will be uh, quite satisfied with the results of that investment, and eventually I will take uh, a glass of wine. It can be <laughs> a white wine or a red wine. Even sometimes in the summer it might be a rosé wine. That's definitely... I would say the drink that um, touches me. I would say, and uh, and definitely I, I really look forward for the opportunity to have the good combination between the wine and the company and the foods. And obviously, uh, it's not always uh, like that, but uh, it many times it happens that uh, magic happens around uh, a good glass of good wine. <laughs> 
I love that. And I asked a, a guest recently, Miguel, what his favorite drink was. And he said, anything where people gather and have a good conversation. And that's what he loved. He was talking about a particular bottle of wine he enjoyed, a particular vineyard. But he said the magic of the wine wasn't the flavor or the provenance. It was the conversation. I thought that was really interesting. And that goes to the wine experience. We can talk about that. Uh, gentlemen, I'm here in Durham, North Carolina. You've heard me say it several times. The range has stopped. It's nice. I'm here in my home office, broadcasting to you and to the world, and I am not allowed to have anything with caffeine or alcohol in it on Tuesdays, because I have two live shows an hour apart. You're my second show of the day already, and it's only 12.31 p.m. here on the East Coast. So I'm just going to say, let's take a quick break for the pause that refreshes. I'm not going to tell you what you can and cannot drink, but we're coming back in 90 seconds. So to our audience, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. We'll be right back. Aaron out. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. How do we feed 10 billion people? How can we design a circular and sustainable economy? How will mobility evolve? How can we enjoy lifelong health? These are some of the big questions of today. The world's political, social, and economic leaders, and every single one of us, need to find new ways to create a sustainable and livable planet. Game-changing Megatrends brings you insights from the thought leaders who are working to making this happen. We'll delve into global challenges from health to education, energy, and mobility, and learn how technology can help address these megatrends to create a better world and new business opportunities. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Game Changing Megatrends, presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game Changing Megatrends. Yes, indeed. We're talking about a topic that is important to every one of you in our listening audience, whether you're listening live right now, Tuesday, July 23rd, 2019, or whether you're going to be listening to the show on demand. It'll be posted in a few hours. So our topic is sustainable energy. Where will your power come from in and fill in the blank any year? And I'll go with 2020 or 2030 to get the conversation rolling. Speaking with three experts on the topic, very inspiring and very savvy gentlemen. We have Jean-Francois Segalotto at IDC Energy Insights. We have Jassy Aurora at Duke Energy here in my new home state of North Carolina and Miguel Gaspar Silva at SAP. And we're going to kick off the roundtable, the formal roundtable in the show, with some statements that Jean-Francois Segaloto sent me before the show. And here's what he said. I'll be brief. He'll explain it, and then we'll invite Jassy to chime in, and we will invite Miguel to also add his point of view. So Jean-Francois says the following. There are three, at least three megatrends, defining the energy transformation that has 
has started and will define this century. And they all start with D. Decentralization, divergence, and digitization. Jean-Francois, please expand these briefly for us, and then we'll see what your co-panelists have to say. Go ahead. All right. Thank you, Bonnie. Uh, Yes, I I think um, if we look closely, um, every industry practitioner or or subject matter expert have uh, their own version of these macro trends. Now, the cool thing, I think, is everyone can uh, relate to them, um, and uh, both practitioners and, and, and people from outside the industry, and they all start with a D, or at least most of them, which, is, uh, which makes them memorable. Uh, so decentralization, uh, I think it is plain to see that energy systems are shifting from centralized uh, generation and distribution of energy and electricity in particular to decentralized and distributed generation. Um, and this happens across both, let's say, the utility scale plans as well as uh, uh, at producers, consumer sites, that is what we call prosumers. Mm-hmm. Um, divergence. Divergence is a, is a bit of a, a more obscure uh, concept um, on, on, until you, you explain it. Um, and with demand for electricity stagnating, uh, costs going up to a certain extent, and uh, cheaper generation alternatives like solar and, and wind coming into the market, um, power utilities need to diverge or diversify from the traditional business of commodity generation and delivery. Uh, and they have to do so um, looking at doing something different on top of that, um, something different that can be um, energy services, for example, um, and that's a way many, many utilities are taking. Immobility, that's something that's uh, in front of us a few years, uh, only a few years away, so utilities are really gearing up to be able to, uh, uh, one, roll out the, let's say, the infrastructure that's needed for uh, enabling electric mobility, as well as offering services uh, on, on top of that. Uh, smart home and connected home services. So these are some of the new things that utilities are looking at because, uh, let's say, the business of energy is, is really changing. Um, the third D uh, that, that make up my, let's say, my, my 3D utility uh, mm-hmm. is digitization, as you said. Um, uh, of course, digital technology and data uh, will, will support um, the other two of these, meaning that uh, they will help manage an energy system that is more and more complex with distributed energy systems with variability of wind and solar generation. But the digital technology would also help utilities uh, to do new things. Uh, so using digital to really diverge, uh, diverge and, and differentiate. Uh, some, some people add a fourth D, uh, as mm-hmm. in decarbonization, um, which is also a critical point um, of how um, the utility uh, industry is, is transforming, progressively moving from emission-intensive uh, generation to, to renewables. And some others add a fifth D, uh, as in democratization, um, mm-hmm. which, is, which is really part of decentralization, where potentially every consumer can participate into uh, the energy market. Um, through direct energy generation uh, and, and by offering other 
a sort of energy resources on the market like batteries, like uh, electric vehicles, uh, like demand response, etc. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I'm glad you added the fourth and fifty, but let's just focus on the three because of our time constraints here. Jassy Aurora at Duke Energy, talk to me. Thoughts about the three Ds Jean-Francois introduced to us, decentralization, divergence, and digitization. Jassy? Yeah, I agree that our energy future, irrespective of market or geography, will be decentralized and distributed. And digitization is playing a very, very big role. And that trend will continue for the next 10, 20, 30 years. And this transition is coming fast, and uh, disruption is part of it. And though different markets are following a similar trajectory in their evolution, but I must say that uh, that uh, at Duke, uh, we are focused on giving cleaner, affordable, and reliable energy. So when I talk about reliability, while we want to give uh, affordable uh, energy, the renewable uh, is still not uh, yet a very stable way of offering the energy. We, they are intermittent, uh, and we cannot rely on them 100%. So, though there are huge advancements are made. But I see in the foreseeable future, we will continue to rely on a mix of generation that includes renewable, natural gas, coal, nuclear, hydro, batteries, and other energy efficiency mechanisms. The real uh, challenge uh, will be that how we bring all these resources together to provide reliable, affordable, and increasingly clean energy. Thank you very much. Let's go one more stop around the table to Miguel Gaspar Silva. Miguel, join us. Thoughts, please. Yeah, thank you very much. So, I mean, obviously, I, I would say that I understand and I agree what was just mentioned, right, as key dimensions for that uh, transition. I would, um, you know, definitely like to highlight that, uh, you know, indeed, I think on, on top of, uh, I would say, the the challenges and also the opportunity that we have, I think we need also to look at the regulatory frameworks overall, right? So overall, uh, we do see that there is, I would say, a very, very strong acceleration of deployment of uh, uh, solar photovoltaic. It is now expected to have its installed capacity beyond the one that we have with wind uh, before 2025. It will be even over hydropower around 2030, and it is expected to pass coal around 2040 from the latest reports that we have. And this gives us an idea about how fast these new technologies are are, are being deployed out there. I would also say that uh, uh, despite, I would say, the investments that are being done in certain areas of the world, uh, in terms, in particular, of uh, further electrifying areas where indeed the power did not reach, and that is one of the uh, one of the areas that is driving investment. We see also very important investments happening for to facilitate this energy transition and to facilitate incorporation of uh, so many renewable uh, power sources into the system, and that will definitely contribute to further decarbonization of the of the energy uh, of the energy sources that we are going to use. And then uh, also on top of that, right, we have seen very, very recent uh, political commitments that were taken, in particular in Europe, where the latest uh, 
uh, um, chairman of the executive uh, board of the European Commission just uh, stated that uh, Europe intends to become the first fully decarbonized economy by 2050. So this is a big, big statement, a very bold statement. Mm-hmm. We are going up from the previous commitments that we had that were around 80% decarbonization by 2050. Now we are looking at having one of the most advanced economies uh, in the world, in Europe, uh, going towards full decarbonization. So therefore, I would say that we should expect a tremendous acceleration in the decarbonization of economies and obviously for having much, much uh, higher levels of sustainable energy available for the multiple uh, economies that we are serving in different parts of the world. Thank you very much. Jean-Francois, any comments about what your two very smart co-panelists have shared about your topic? I do agree with, with the comments that, um, that, that Jesse and Miguel um, uh, made. Uh, I think whatever the number of, of these that we use to find change in the industry, I think at the art of the matter is that there's no single factor uh, driving energy transition, really. It, it really builds on a combination uh, of factors, primarily energy technology, enabling decentralization, decarbonization, uh, and democratization, uh, and, and forcing utilities to differentiate and to diverge, uh, but also digital technology helping balance an increasingly unpredictable energy system, so to speak. And of course, we need to add, uh, as, as Miguel rightly uh, mentioned, we need to add one R, as in regulation, which is that factor that can accelerate uh, or slow down all the other Ds, so to say, uh, that we mentioned. Um, and, and of course, I agree that uh, uh, what, what the EU is aiming at is a very bold, um, is a very bold uh, uh, future. Uh, and I think uh, it, it might be um, um, a, a bit a bit off the mark, but, but definitely we need ambition and we need um, uh, economies that, that lead the pace uh, in, in decarbonization. Uh, so uh, well done to, um, to EU for, for, uh, for the boldness of the announcement. Okay, thank you very much. And uh, let's move on. Let's see, we have time for possibly one more topic. Jassy, I'm looking at your notes here, and let's talk about what corporations are doing. You say self-generation of energy is becoming a good commercial fit for large corporate users. Many large companies have aggressive goals to move to using 100% renewables in the next 5 to 10 years. That's very quick. Energy companies have a tremendous opportunity to collaborate with large corporations. Why? To become their choice supplier to provide energy from renewable sources. Just expand this for us, please, Jassy, briefly, and then we can find out what Miguel and Jean-Francois have to say. Yeah, um, sure. Uh, you know, we are moving towards a new energy system where power and information flow in both the direction. Generation, um, you know, is becoming more distributed and closer to the end consumer, and smart grid solutions are uh, becoming more and more common to effectively manage. Um, so this birth of a new system is causing a different shift. Energy companies have to adopt and find the upside of this transition to manage risk and capture the new opportunities across the evolving value chain. 
We are now into the era of solar cell, electrical vehicles, EV charging, mm-hmm. storage. A lot of these are the physical way of generating, storing a uh, new way. But then we have blockchain, IoT, all these are another digital interjection into all that. Uh, so what I am seeing, uh, where we are and how we are getting ourselves prepared, that this is a very different model, and we have to be in the game to win the game, is what I call it. You know, So we can't be just the observer. There are a lot of large players which are outside new entrants are entering into this market, you know, the tech companies and uh, a lot of companies who are different industries are entering into this market. So we have to be very, very open to understand what the new ecosystem, what new services, what new opportunities we have, we have to play into that system and grab those new opportunities to serve our customer in a very different way than we have ever done in a traditional way. Thank you very much. Let's go around and get Miguel's comments and then Jean-Francois. We, I think we have time. Go ahead. No, I think Jesse touched uh, very well, you know, the, the, some of the uh, key elements of this transformation, right? I think uh, uh, what was said is that, uh, indeed, uh, there is a business opportunity, right? Utilities can, uh, can in many ways, monetize. Uh, the opportunity that now uh, relies ahead uh, of uh, energy transition by facilitating all kinds of energy type of solutions for final consumers, right? And that will uh, indeed be possible once you have a different type of engagement to final customers, right? So it should be not only about the traditional way that uh, utilities would engage with customers, sometimes very much relying on one or several bills being sent uh, each year, right? And obviously sometimes having a bit uh, less positive type of contact every time that an outage or any type of problem would happen. Now we need to go in a completely different type of engagement with customers, right? We need to provide uh, turnkey solutions. We need to provide energy insights. We need to provide uh, good advices in terms of people to optimize the usage of their energy. And also utilities will be fundamental, right, in terms of uh, being in the center, in the central point that will need to orchestrate all these different elements connected to the grid and ensuring right that uh, they will work uh, in a reliable way right because we do know that the more decentralized are the energy resources uh, the less reliable is the overall infrastructure and utilities with the element of digitalization that was mentioned uh, will be fundamental in ensuring that there will be a proper level of energy service being delivered to uh, individual households, but obviously also to the companies that rely on energy to run their uh, respective uh, economic activities. Thank you, Jean-Francois. We're ready for you. Thoughts on this topic? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think Jesse um, has, uh, has really hit the spot here. I think mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, self-generation becoming a, 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 a real, uh, tangible option for large corporate users, uh, and, and, and it's not by, it's not by chance that we're seeing an acceleration in in what we call uh, the PPAs or, or, or power purchasing agreements, which is uh, essentially a bilateral contract between a large corporation and either a developer of renewable energy uh, generation plants or a let's say a traditional utility. And, and PPAs uh, are really a growing alternative to. Uh, traditional energy sourcing, so to say. And the U.S. currently takes 
I think, the, the lion's share of, of these uh, PPAs, but they are spreading in Europe too. And, and PPAs are really the proof uh, that renewables um, are now competitive in a lot of markets without the need for any subsidies, uh, right? Um, and consider that, that businesses in general, so commercial and industrial customers, are the largest energy consumer group. I think residential only accounts for uh, uh, between, I don't know, 20 to 30 percent of total final consumption in places like Europe and the U.S. So utilities will have to continue serving this customer group if they want to stay in the business. And um, uh, we have, uh, in, in the industry, we, 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 we talk about energy as a service, for example, as a mm-hmm. new business model where a utility takes care of all the energy needs of a business user, um, from energy sourcing to, uh, to auto-generation, uh, and, and maintenance of um, uh, distributed energy resources to selling energy and grid services uh, onto the market on behalf of the customer. So I think uh, uh, the let's say the, the the large corporate users and in general the commercial and industrial segment is holds the key uh, to uh, to uh, the energy transition. Thank you very much. Good topic. And I want to squeeze in one more. We're technically in the predictions round, but uh, Miguel, I want you to just talk about this for about 90 seconds. And then uh, Jean-Francois will do your quick prediction and then Jassy. So Miguel, you say the latest commitments on sustainability in Europe state that Europe should become the first carbon neutral region in 2050. This is an enormous change. Very visionary commitments on 80% decarbonization. Can you quickly explain this, please, Miguel? Yes, I mean, this is, I would say, a bold move, but uh, it's it's coming as a sequence of what uh, Europe has been doing, uh, I think, since the early 2000s, that Europe in that moment has put forward the goal of decarbonizing the economy up to 20% by 2020. These were the so-called 2020-20 goals. And then uh, Europe has been putting forward some uh, more ambitious goals for 2030, and there was, uh, in the horizon, uh, the goal of having 80% decarbonization happening by 2050. And that, by the way, meant that uh, for the power sector, it meant in that case that we would need to cope with 95% decarbonization of the power sector so that we could uh, arrive to 80%. And now, since the latest uh, responsibles in politics took over in Europe, the, the statement has been much, much more bold, right? which is really going for 100% decarbonization by 2050. So this is a tremendous, tremendous challenge. I would definitely like to highlight that this means in particular big change for utilities and for the utilities industry. I sometimes I say that this is about going from a control to a coordinate mode, right? Because uh, uh, utilities will not be anymore in full control of things. They will be definitely in a coordination mode to make that happen. And again, I do think that utilities will be in the central point to make this energy transition happen. And there is another element that I always like to highlight, right, is uh, also in the past, they have been in control and uh, doing this, I would say, in a very structured way. I would say that now that we need to go again from a very structured way of doing things to a much more agile way of doing things. So being agile and doing uh, the coordination of all these new energy world, this is fundamental for utilities to really enable the energy transition that is in the horizon to happen in multiple geographies. And of course, we are here talking about Europe, but this will definitely also happen in many other places. 
Thank you, Miguel. I have just, oh, 30 seconds for a prediction from Jean-Francois and 30 seconds for Jassy. So quickly, gentlemen, just tell me what you see coming ahead for sustainable energy, renewable energy at any point in the future. Jean-Francois, vite, vite. Okay. Um, so at ABC, we do a lot of predictions, uh, including on, on energy and, and, and utilities. Uh, I don't want to make a prediction right now. I want to share a thought. Um, mm-hmm. And it's about the importance of flexibility. And I think with large amounts of variable renewables, uh, everyone can agree uh, that uh, and variable renewables, by the way, are uh, anything that cannot be predicted or dispatched, which is normally wind and solar. I am a firm believer that a lot of the value in the electricity industry will come from uh, flexibility. Uh, that is the ability uh, for the market to absorb excess production or reduce demand when wind and solar produce more or less than than predicted. And I think that will happen much sooner than most of us will guess. Some countries have created effective markets already. Some are lagging behind. Same goes for utilities. But it's going to happen very quickly. Thank you. Jassy Aurora, 30 seconds. That's all I've got. Take them. Go ahead. All right. Okay. I'll be quick. Uh, uh, My next 10-year prediction is the biggest game changer in technology will be the electrical vehicle. I see uh, that is going to be uh, much more common than it is every part of the world, and uh, that will further impact the rest of the industry even more than ever before. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. I want to thank my three panelists. I'll mention your names in a moment. I want to thank Tom Conant at SAP for putting it together. Tom, this is a very, very exciting and relevant topic for everybody around the world. So bravo to you for assembling a wonderful panel. I've enjoyed speaking with them. And a thank you to Aaron Keller at World Talk Radio, our engineer extraordinaire here on the Business Channel. So here's my call to action. Wherever you are, fasten your seatbelt. Think about renewable. Think about sustainable. Think about how you find, consume, and put back energy if that's an option. So think ahead. And here's my call to action. Finally, 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 fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Jean-Francois Segalotto at IDC Energy Insights. And a shout-out to all your colleagues there. We've had several on the show over the years. Jassy Aurora at Duke Energy, my neighbor in Charlotte, three hours away. Thank you for being with us. And Miguel Gaspar Silva at SAP. Such a pleasure to meet you. Everybody, have a great day. I'll be back tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Business Channel with my brand-new series, Technology Revolution, the Future of Now. We're talking about who's that at the desk next to you at work? Oh my goodness, it's a robot. Think AI. Talk to you then. Bye bye. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Mega Trends, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game changing week. <laughs>